free your soul up a bit. This is the Perfectly Imperfect Podcast with Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. Hey guys, welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect, the podcast where we have vulnerable conversations about mental health, self-growth, and relationships. I'm Regina. And I am Christine. Oh my God, we finally get to record this episode. You don't know how long we've been waiting to talk to our (laughs) guests. It's definitely been a few months and yeah, the planning process, but then the pandemic hit. So here we are. Yeah, life, unpredictable. But here we are. We're learning from the pro himself. Yeah. We're so excited to have Jimmy Wong on today. Woo! Woo! <laughs> <laughs> We've had the privilege of knowing Jimmy for a while. I so happy got a chance to work with him while working at Wong Fu Productions. He was an actor then, though he's still an actor now, but he's moved on to much bigger and better (laughs) pastures. He's also a host, musician. He's leaning in the new live action Mulan. He just released a book (laughs) for Feast of Fiction. Just by the way. A cookbook. He's co-host of Command Cast as well as Demand, Ven Arcade Live, all these things that he's currently doing. So welcome, Jimmy. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, there's tons of stuff that I'm doing. Uh, We could break it all down later. That's not why I'm here though. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like a PR run or something. We were like trying to figure out what would be the best way to sum it all up. And Christine was like, "Uh, let's just make a list of all the projects. I usually just tell people when they ask, I host and I make stuff. Like I I think content creator is still one of the best ways to describe it, even though Mm. it it doesn't sound as grand as what you just said. That makes sense. No, because you do so much and you continue to do so much even during the pandemic that, Mm -hmm. like we said, it could just go on and on. But I feel like, yeah, content creator wraps it all up <laughs> without yeah i have a solid addiction to working i think so that's yeah why. well tell us what you've been up to this year <laughs> <laughs> well we started year. out the year uh, thinking that mulan was going to come out on march 27th and mm. i was so stoked because i was like this is it this is my year yeah. March 27th my birthday is march 28th it oh, was meant to be oh. So I got to do, you know, all the sort of small PR things for Mulan and got to go to the red carpet premiere and all sorts of fun stuff. And then the pandemic hit. And so (laughs) that sort of put everything back. It delayed everything. Originally, I think the delay was for July and then it got pushed to August. And now we all know it's coming out on September 4th on Disney Plus, uh, which is exciting. Um, Mm -hmm. But for me, a little disappointing because I saw the movie in theaters. A lot of people actually that went to the red carpet premiere got to see the movie in theaters. And I would wish that people could because it's a big scale movie. It's like watching Star Wars on the big screen or any sort of epic movie. You want the sound design and the music and the visuals, all to sort of take you into the world. And now we have to do it on our TVs. So, but that's, you know, that's just one small thing. I'm not too worried about it. The main thing is that people do get to enjoy the movie. So, you know, count your blessings. Mm -hmm. Well, how are you going to go watch it when it comes out? Uh, So I'm trying to figure out the safest way to do so and hopefully gather enough people to to do it as well. Mm. One of my friends has offered up. She has like a backyard that she said that might be able to be used. Like if we get a projector up on the wall. But even then, I would kind of be like, man, I really hope you have a really good sound system because that's a huge part of the movie as well. What about like those drive-ins? Like right now, drive-in movie theaters have become like a thing again. I saw Irvine Spectrum and like Paramount Studios. 
radios, I think. They're doing like drive-in movie theaters where you like all turn your car channels to like a specific radio station mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then you can like watch the movie together. Yeah, I think that's really cool and it's fun. Again, my issue is just like, oh, it's not going to sound mm. as amazing as it does. Yeah. But that's okay. You know what? The reason that people go to the theaters and why I think that's the big part of why we wanted to release it. In the- I would say we, the royal we. I don't have any say in what Disney does. <laughs> is that, you know, if you want to reestablish the culture of going out and enjoying friends' company in, mm. you know, a safe and fun environment. And movie watching was a huge part of my life in LA since I've been here for 10 years. And I just love going to movies and getting some food before or after talking about the movie in the lobby all that Mm -hmm. stuff was just a really fun experience so we'll figure out what we're gonna do i don't know exactly how many or what yet but i have pledged to help people purchase the movie on disney plus because it's gonna be 30 dollars. and in the next month or so i will let people know how that will happen but i'm gonna try and provide the experience for as many people as possible oh jimmy that's amazing well i mean i know a lot of people are upset about the price point and you can't blame anyone and it's the pandemic and a lot of people are unemployed um (laughs) us la people are like 30 dollars. that's a deal yeah we're like oh that's how much we would pay to go to a normal theater (laughs) yeah we don't have to pay for parking we don't have to worry about traffic and we don't have to pay for a 10 dollar bucket of popcorn we can pause and go pee at any time we want so there is a lot of that but i just want people to watch the movie one way or the other and hopefully the people with nice tvs and stuff can enjoy it as big as they can i just don't want anyone to watch it on their phone so if you're one of those people (laughs) please don't do that (laughs) don't deprive yourself of the experience i agree i'm like okay subconscious check was not going to do that anyways jimmy yeah yeah. totally yeah (laughs) yeah so go on what else have you been up to since the pandemic so like you said i released a book the feast of fiction kitchen the official feast of fiction cookbook i've had a cooking show for the past 10 years we make foods from anime movies tv shows video games and more and we turn them into real life so the most popular example i always give is something like harry potter butterbeer or lembis bread from lord of the rings or something from the anime food wars so we released a cookbook with 55 different recipes myself and my co-host ashley adams and you can also check out our youtube channel it's at feast of fiction where we still do videos bi-monthly at this point because the pandemic slowed us down a little bit mm. but yeah cookbook is out everywhere that was a bit of a bummer we wanted to go on a book tour we wanted to fly to the different parts of the country and show the book to the world we were supposed oh, to go on wow. good morning america i think we were supposed to go on so there's a lot wow. that didn't happen because of the pandemic but Again, count your blessings. The book's still out there. A lot of people have gotten it and made stuff from it. So that's made me happy. Yeah. How was that moment for you when I saw that you had gone to Barnes and Noble and then saw it on the bookshelf? <laughs> it was cool. Unfortunately, my last name is Wong. So it was all the way on the bottom shelf because uh, <laughs> that's how they organize it. Oh. We should have had Ashley's name go first because her last name is freaking Adams. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I picked it up. I put it on the top shelf. And then someone later told me that Barnes & Noble employees hate that when you do that. So I apologize to anyone that <laughs> was affected by my actions. Wow. Well, you live and you learn. I'm sure that won't be your only book that you publish. But yeah, I, you'll know you, for the next fingers one. Crossed. Did you What's sign that? it? Did you autograph it and put it back? I did sign that one. Yeah, I, I put an oh, autograph in That's so cool. I love stuff like that where, oh, if you happen to see it or you come by and then you're the first person to get it. And then, you know, that's so yeah. cool. I would like everyone to know that I did not have COVID-19 at the time of signing, <laughs> nor have I ever had it. And I did touch the book with my bare hands, but it is very safe, I guarantee you. I'm sure that book has already been sold a long time ago. <laughs> I hope so. Shoot, man. If I went back there and I still saw it up there, I might just quit. <laughs> I guess we'll keep going down the Rolodex. Yes, please. So after that, I started working at a company called Ven TV. And Ven is a brand new 24-7 streaming and TV network. You can mm. find it on Twitch, YouTube. 
YouTube, Facebook. It's even on Twitter 24-7. And we are just making weekly live shows all around the gaming culture and the gaming world and pop culture and streaming culture, influencer culture, all the cultures combined. So I've been doing that now for four months. I helped them do a lot of creative development on a couple of their main shows. And now I'm one of the hosts on The Download, which is like a daily news show combining everything from the main news world. So we talked about the TikTok ban incoming from President Trump. And we also talked about streamers like Dr. Disrespect returning to the platform. So there's a whole list of things that we can sort of cover on this show, but it's mostly focused around gaming and streaming culture. Wow, wow, that's awesome. We'll be sure to link everything that he's working on down below because yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that you guys would want to check out all the amazing things that he's doing. Yeah, it's quite a lot. <laughs> Getting to know you and then also following your career since I started following it, I guess 10 years ago, it's just seeing all the things that you have done, your plethora of skills and talent, interests and hobbies. You are like, I don't know if Jeremy Lin is the right person to use, but you're like the Jeremy Dude, Lin, Lin of yeah, just everything. You're like the person that, who was it on the news that was like that Asian astronaut who graduated from Harvard oh. that also was a doctor? <laughs> I'm the Jeremy Ling, if anything. Oh. Ling sanity. You know? Okay, okay. We'll coin the term now. Okay, Ling yeah, Sanity. Hashtag. Ling Sanity. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the lingo. We, there, we came up with another one. I'm also a dad joke. We'll, we'll add it to the list of your okay, many cool. skills already. Sick, sick. Pun maker. Hire me. Pun maker. <laughs> yeah, so then with all of that, I know we can make an entire episode of Jimmy's accomplishments and also his ambitions and everything. But I would not, to- <laughs> I would not be, be on that episode. I would refuse to do it. But today, our... <laughs> topic of why we brought Jimmy in is purely because we admire Jimmy so much. He's so intellectual. <laughs> like he's just so smart. He's so well-spoken and he has so many great points. Just how he is, even when you follow him on Twitter and Instagram. I just love how honest you are. Thank you. You have had so much experience on social media, not only as like a public figure and also making a career as an actor where you have to kind of sometimes be aware of what you say, how you say it. But with you, I just love how real you are and you will reply to people. You'll tweet people back and try to really talk to them and explain certain points in a really respectful manner, which is really hard to do. <laughs> well, the further you go back in my timeline, the less respectful I get. Uh... <laughs> See, that shows signs of like, yeah, growth. Yeah, sure. I'm perfectly imperfect. In the in the past couple of years, I've definitely been like, hmm, I guess I'm more more and more public figure now. So I should make sure that I handle things in the way that I would respect down the line. So that's sort of how I've been approaching it. And that's stuff that we'll get into today. Yeah. So what we're going to talk about today is cancel culture. And I know that this term is a term that we have all heard, especially with all the news that has happened in the past, I'd say, five years where it's become more and more prevalent of people just getting outright canceled. Mm-hmm. And and the culture that develops surrounding that. In society right now, I think that like social media has been such an amazing platform for everybody to voice their opinions and, you know, really stand up for causes that they believe in in a way that people have not been able to do in the past. Mm-hmm. Because of that, there have been a lot of repercussions. A lot of YouTubers canceled, a lot of celebrities. The term with cancel culture that I feel like I've been grappling with is like some of the people I'm like, oh yeah, they totally deserve to be canceled. And but then it also creates this culture where people are afraid to speak up and afraid to even voice their own opinions because they're like, oh, well, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I want to stay PC. And, you know, Jimmy has dealt with his fair share of backlash and of speaking up on certain topics. You know, we really just wanted to dive deeper into this topic of what is it like 
to be in the spotlight. Exactly like what Christine says, you know, holding yourself in like the higher standard of not just when people come and attack you, like being able to speak to them in a way that is respectful while also explaining like in the situation of Dr. Disrespect and like why you were having an issue with the way that he was acting on his streams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. There's so much to talk about. <laughs> Cancel culture. Yay. Well, why don't we start with the question to Jimmy in terms of Maybe you can give us some context. Mm-hmm. Your experiences being on social media with like the Ching Chong parody starting from back then to yeah. then speaking up about Logan Paul and his Suicide Force video and just him in general, him and his brother, Dr. Disrespect, <laughs> as well as, you know, you recently, well, I say recently, but time goes by so fast, but like the Chinese virus song. What has been your experience on social media as you bring up topics can be sensitive towards people? How do you have this meaningful discussion? Well, the one thing that ties all of these things together has to do with my identity as an Asian American. Mm. Specifically because if you look at every single one of these things, the Ching Chong parody was done in response to a girl using the words Ching Chong Ling Long Ting Tong, a white sorority girl at UCLA, in a highly offensive manner, mocking people in the library for speaking too loud and disrupting her very important studies. So I... <laughs> very important studies. <laughs> at that moment, a lot of people were sending her death threats and getting very angry at her. And this is all the way back in 2011 mind you yeah so i was like you know what i don't agree and my brother and i talked about it at the time is you should do something that's like sort of like turning it on its head so i did that you know i tried to take the power away from the words and i was mm-hmm. like cool i did it fix racism against asians that's never gonna happen again <laughs> pat yourself on the shoulder yeah Check. and then i you know and that was the most positively well-received thing i think i've ever done people all around the world were messaging me and emailing me and being like thank you that was so great uh, how you dealt with it you know you, you chose a different path other than anger and outright quote-unquote cancellation i suppose even at that time when it didn't really exist right and then moving forward i started to see this happening but the people that were doing it happened to also be very well-known figures so Logan Paul, obviously, after the entire Suicide Forest video, you know, some people went back and found a bunch of pretty controversial and interesting tweets that he made about Asians in general. And also, like, he made some absurd comparison between black people and Asian people about testosterone and all this stuff, too. So there's just a lot of troublesome stuff there. So I kind of, in a fiery way, went after him. And when you go after a public figure, it's a lot different than, you know, writing a song to a sorority girl that no one's ever heard from after that point. So Logan Paul has a you know a whole drove of fans that obviously were very angry at me for even suggesting that their idol was anything but correct. And then after that, I spoke out against Dr. Disrespect, who is one of the most well-known streamers in the world, because what he would do is he plays a lot of video games, and some of the games he played, like H1Z1 or PUBG, had a lot of hackers that would play, and the hackers typically tended to be from China. And so as a result, what he would do is scream at them in his sort of mock accent. Now, keep in mind that Dr. Disrespect is a somewhat like a WWE personality, but put onto a stream. Mm. Um, but again, he still has hundreds of thousands of adoring fans and people that you know find him absolutely hilarious. And so someone forwarded me this video of him, just a supercut of him just screaming at these players online in this fake Asian accent. And it was mocking. It was very insensitive. And I mm-hmm. deemed it racist. Of course, his Mm -hmm. fans very much disagreed with that for the most part. So then I went on and put out this video that I since have taken down because I believe the issue is resolved because I don't need to have this continue to be online where I tried to basically rebut the whole arguments that people had against me saying it wasn't racist, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Now, Dr. Disrespect publicly never agreed with me. I believe one of his justifications to say he wasn't racist is that he had Asian friends and that his wife was Asian. So that was a good start. Yeah, check. Check. <laughs> yeah. Bingo. That, that's that's it's that easy? 
Sick. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, I mean, and there are a lot of people, even Asians out there that are like, no, I find his accent hilarious or whatever. But for me, I just mm-hmm. saw visions of Chinese and Asian kids being mocked in school by Dr. Disrespect fans because they see him doing it on his stream and they're going to ape and mimic that. So that was like my right. main thing there. And so I didn't mm-hmm. cancel any of these people. Now, fortunately, Dr. Disrespect stopped doing that bit, as I now like to call it, if we want to classify him as a comedian, which I think is a stretch. That to me was a win, right? I was like, great. He stopped doing the thing that he must have agreed is offensive or at least agreed, you know what, I should stop doing this because it's going to just cause more controversy. Mm-hmm. Even if the guy doesn't personally believe in it and he thinks that it's a whole crock of BS, it doesn't matter to me because to me, it's just that he stopped doing that and he doesn't have other like outwardly offensive behaviors. So, you know, his viewers won't see it. They won't mimic it. They won't hear it. They won't feel it. think that's funny, whatever it is. And we can sort of erase that small part of his personality from his existence And as a result, hopefully make things better for people down the line that would be affected by it. Right. And then most recently, the president of the United States, amongst other people uh, in the midst of this pandemic, have decided to coin some nicknames for the COVID-19 illness that has spread around the world because it is believed and assumed to have originated in China. He refers to it as the Chinese virus, the China virus, the Wuhan flu, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Obviously, to me, after seeing many Asians across the world being attacked still to this day, having racial slurs slung at them, being punched in the face, grabbed by the hair, a pregnant woman was just punched the other day by oh the way God. that's how low we've gotten wasn't like a there was an elderly woman in new york that got set on fire yeah yeah, yeah. i think they threw oil or some Gosh, shit on her yeah. things yeah. were not great and so i was like you know what? i'm gonna release a video that's similar to ching chong in nature but it's about the term chinese virus and basically expressing the idea that the reason that people use words like this is to scapegoat which is to place the blame on someone else you're taking your own sins or your own whatever is the traditional biblical description of scapegoat you're putting it all in a literal goat and you're saying if that thing's fall, everyone scream and point at that thing instead of being like, maybe I have some blame for this as well. Right. So I think in Trump's worldview, as he has currently very much failed to do much in terms of inspiring the nation to bind together in a meaningful way to defeat something like this or to combat it, has used Chinese virus and other words like that to basically point the blame outwards so that no one, specifically his most ardent followers, would not point the finger inwards. Mm-hmm. So that fortunately wasn't met with as much derision or anger from the internet, but it's sort of the most, again, recent example of all the way back in 2011, there was racism against Asians and all the way in 2020, it continues very much to this day. So that's sort of my career online, looking at things being like, no, I don't like this, let's change it. Or, hey, I think you're doing something wrong, I'm going to yell at you about it or tweet angrily about it. I think I've come full circle because I started off with a song that everyone loved. And I'm trying to, again, bring it back to that. Let's attack these things and approach them from a more nuanced and balanced way rather than a 240-character tweet that is going to come off as brash or derisive or angry or vitriolic or toxic or whatever word you want to put around it. Fortunately, there's a lot more that we can do in terms of balancing our message. And so that's something that I'm striving towards moving forward. Yeah. I think the thing about this cancel culture that's toxic is how pitted against one another we become. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like the girl who did the ching chong and then it goes immediately to death threats. There's no like gray area. You either love them or hate them. And I think that that is what 
makes this whole issue so complicated because humans are not black and white. There's so much more complex to them. Yeah, they're Asian, they're Indian. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. Sorry, keep going. It's a bad joke. Exactly. I think that the way that you approach the doctor disrespect issue, which I find so admirable, is that you looked at the situation as a whole. I think it's really easy to pinpoint people on like one instance or like one action that they did and write it off as like that's how they are and that's how they think. And I remember watching your Dr. Disrespect video, it was just so thorough in the way that you described the issue at hand, how you felt at it, why you thought it was wrong. And, you know, the fact that you're like, I don't think that he's a bad guy. And, you know, the fact that you got him to stop doing this is a great outcome. But I think in the process of that, people just turn to anger so immediately. Yes. That's all they see. They just see red and they're just like, oh my God, we need to cancel this person. We need to hate on them and we need to like get them off the internet. I will say that my first tweet at him was more along those lines. I was definitely <laughs> seeing red and it came off quite fiery. But past that, I was like, hold on, I need to take a step back because I'm getting attacked by these kids. <laughs> so maybe I need to figure out a better way to, to converse with them. I don't think the ultimate thing was still effective because I think his fan base just refuses to think that their idol is incorrect in any way. But the message was still much better the second time around. So I'm glad that I was able to at least do that. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the thing too about these like bigger named stars like Dr. Disrespect, Logan Paul, they just have such a strong and intense fan base that will just like fight for them. And like, even if you are, you're like, hey, wait, this is a thing that doesn't sit right with me. Right. They then attack you instead right. of like really looking at the situation at hand. And it's this mob mentality that I think really just like does not sit well with me. So like in this instance, when all of these kids are just ganging up on you essentially on the internet what was that experience like disappointing <laughs> this was one of the better words i can put towards it i've received a lot of online hate and just i've seen a thousand different comments over the course of my life not a thousand probably like a billion at this point it feels like yeah i'm someone that sort of likes to read every comment just to see because i think it's important to see how people are viewing something both from the completely irrational all the way to the hyper rational mm -hmm. and there's a small amount of me that needs to stop doing it to the degree that i do especially when it comes to like the i should interact with this person and talk to them mm -hmm. but there have been a lot of victory stories in my life too where i do talk to someone for quite a long time and maybe we end things on like a you know what maybe we'll never agree and then a year mm -hmm. or two later i'll get a tweet from them being like hey i was acting like an ass i'm sorry mm. and that's happened maybe three or four times and that to me is like wow now that is a real effect now even if i did not perfectly deal with the situation at the time mm -hmm. i still dealt with it enough in a way to let this person know why i felt the way i did and you know the reasoning behind it whether or not that had a significant impact on them changing themselves over time or just growing up right i think a lot of times a lot of these people are like 13 to 16 and they don't know any better when i was 16 years old i was a total idiot um, and it's just sort of like over time, they get a little wiser, they see their mistakes in the past, maybe they feel bad about it or shameful or whatever it is, but it drove them to the point to apologize to me. There are a lot of people out there that I don't think I'll ever reach. But for me, like getting all these comments, it's thrilling in a way like my adrenaline starts pumping and I'm like, I gotta do something. But it's also kind of an addiction to be like, I need to prove everyone these kids wrong. So I've started to much more recently be better about choosing and picking my fights. Mm. If anyone ever tweets me some just like absurdly offensive or absurdly wrong thing, I click on their profile i'll scroll back for like three or four minutes i'll look in their tweets i'll look at who they're following or who follows them and just sort of get like a good gauge of who this person is and sometimes it's like i think this is a robot uh, so I just won't respond. Uh, and there are other times where it's like this person is beyond my ability right now but the person seems like someone that could listen and has questions or has talked in the way in the past that makes me go okay there is a real human here and someone that wants to 
talk and they're acting in this way for a reason, then I'll generally engage with them and try and keep it concise. You know, before in the past, I would just get lost in these Twitter thread chains with the fans of, you know, whoever, and it was just not great. So these days, I'm trying to be much more picky about that because I just don't have the mental energy to do so. And I also try and put myself out there a little less depending on some issues I need to be passionate about other issues I'm much more level headed about, especially when it comes to things that I know I visibly can have zero effect on. I'm not going to go to bat for something that is just going to be a thorn in my ass for the rest of my life. Mm. It, <laughs> based off of everything you just said, it just sounds like, yeah, you've been through such a journey online. <laughs> <laughs> like You're like, this is, <laughs> guys, I mean, this is it. For your own sake, for your own mental health and well-being, I can understand going through all these comments and trying to get a better understanding, trying to get context, trying to see their point of view, as well as trying to see, is this worth engaging in? And it just gets so overwhelming, especially nowadays, because... There are some things that it's like you wouldn't think that there would be an argument. Oh, it's the sky blue. Someone's like, no, it's black. And they'll fight (laughs) you to the death with it. And then you're like, oh my goodness, people totally don't see life the way that I see life. And then everything that's been going on with cancel culture has kind of brought is like with the Me Too movement, BLM, all the stuff that I feel like the internet has spurred on and having more discussions about blind spots in our lives or recognizing things that maybe some of us have never really had to take a look on. And I could totally see how can really piss people off Mm -hmm. because you're trying to point out something or trying to hold someone accountable to their actions or what they've said, especially if we're going to go into council culture, a lot of, let's say, like these celebrities or well-known people, people are digging way into their past and bringing up disturbing behaviors or tweets or videos and calling them out. So when we go into that, do you guys feel like based off of what you guys have seen when we've mentioned, like, I mean, Shane Dawson's been in there. Ellen DeGeneres is like now in the news. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a lot of companies and brands are being brought up. Do you guys find that council culture is helpful or is it more toxic in these situations? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, good maybe, question. Maybe that's not a blanket answer to it because I know each of those things are yeah. like hefty subjects in their own right. But I guess in the terms of cancel culture. I don't know if you can like say if cancel culture is right or wrong because just the name cancel culture is just it's so loaded. Like how can you encapsulate this entire idea that we should hold people more accountable for their actions? And we should find a way to draw a line in the sand if someone's irredeemable or if they are. And if they are, what's the format? What, who's holding them accountable? There's just like so much to like put into the idea of what cancel culture is. I think for me, watching the Me Too movement unfold and watching now also in the games industry, right, this past two months, there's been sort of a reckoning as well where a lot of people are stepping forward and naming abusers and talking about stories and sharing their pain points. Mm. And it's just exposing constantly this like very, very dark and ugly thing which is Mm. just there's this constant thread in the same way that it's like, oh, Jimmy, racism against Asians. Yeah, that was over in 2011. It's like, no, this is something that's an undercurrent. (laughs) And I think if anything, cancel culture has shown to me what the undercurrents of society are, both in the good and the bad ways. Like there are great undercurrents and they're also really toxic ones constantly. And the self-righteousness of the people that think that so-and-so does need to get canceled is sometimes just as toxic as people that are defending Mm. an abuser. And I'm not saying that this is the case across the board. If anything, the thing that I've learned is that we get to see the undercurrents of how people act based on these are very divisive things. You can see where like trends are happening. And you can also understand that there's just like this deep down anger 
and a lot of different people mm. for different reasons. And some of them are the self-righteous leftist types and some are the very self-righteous right side. And there's just like a lot of it going around everywhere. And it forces you to like make sure that you address each thing a little more carefully. Because in the Me Too movement, it was like Aziz Ansari, right? Like that's a fascinating case right there. Some people can read that story mm-hmm. and go like, this dude got drunk and cannot talk to women correctly and did some really dumb shit. Or you can look at it and go like, this guy's abusing his power and his position to take advantage of someone and get them drunk. Regardless, mm-hmm. we can all agree that he is nowhere near the awfulness of someone like Harvey Weinstein. Right. Mm-hmm. But during the Me Too era, everything was just kind of clumped together. And it was like a tidal wave. It's like, oh, you touch someone one time, throw your ass into that water because you're just getting swept along with the rest of it. And while I don't agree that that was the right thing that happened, it's just something that I felt was also very necessary and had to happen because it was almost like someone was bloated and had been eating awful food for years and years and years. And finally, someone stuck a finger down their throat and they vomited it all up. Some of the food was disgusting and toxic and had been there for years. Some of it was they had just <laughs> eaten it, but it was all getting thrown up at the same time. Thanks for the visual, it's a very Janine. strong yes. visual. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, it does feel like the internet is collectively just up chucking yeah, everything at the same does. time. And it's mm-hmm. hard to like value things differently, because you do need to talk about things on case by case basis. And you do need to make sure that there's nuance to the conversation. Otherwise, it's the fear that a lot of people have, I think, which is just like, am I going to get canceled for like being aggressive when I hit on that girl in college? Like, am I going to get canceled? We were really drunk that night. I don't know if she actually, you know, like there's so many things that are probably running through a lot of people's heads that scare them. And like, even me, I can go back and think like, hmm, like, well, I remember that thing in high school that happened. Was I being abusive just because I was so insecure and I did some kind of weird things and I texted this person a bunch? Like, Mm -hmm. right, like we can all go back and find these moments. And then I think a lot of people are just afraid that, oh gosh, if my name gets drug up and I'm canceled, how do I recover from it? But, you know, I think the word cancel just adds too much weight towards what's actually happening, which is just like, it's a reckoning. It's a reconciliation. It's people coming forward and saying, you did this and you need to be held accountable for it. Yeah, That's the nuance for me. Everything's being thrown up simultaneously, but at a certain point, we'll be able to pick out the things and deal with them accordingly based on the severity. Yeah. Thinking about it and you phrasing it in that way, it really is people that I feel like have been feeling like they've been screaming into the abyss for really Mm -hmm. long. (laughs) <laughs> like all these things. Approximately four years, by the way. But yeah, continue. <laughs> Maybe more than that. Yeah. And then they just feel like no one cares or there's no action and no one's really taking them seriously. And it, it's similar to what you were saying about all the examples of the content that you created to address a lot of the racism against Asians. It's like, oh, you're too sensitive. It's just a joke, mm-hmm, you know, and that's mm-hmm. just been yes. just thrown around as and just let it go. That's just the way things are. Well, you're basically gaslighting people and yeah. just into saying that. <laughs> That your emotions aren't valid or whatever it is like yeah. hey if something offended you and i came up to you and been like toughen up kid it's just a joke you probably wouldn't feel so great but yeah continue please no totally and, and then i mean we can go into this but i feel like this is a lot of in our upbringing not even as asians but in general i just feel like generational wise like our parents or grandparents come from much quote-unquote tougher circumstances but i don't know mm-hmm. if that's true mm-hmm. anymore with the pandemic but they're just like <laughs> yeah get over it it's not that big of a deal and i think with quote-unquote all the stuff coming up with the vomiting the visualization of the vomit that jimmy just painted for us it's so many groups of people from all these different pockets of life that are like this is how we felt and it's all coming up at the same time or maybe it has mm-hmm. been coming up and because we haven't been part of those pockets we also haven't been listening either that's the stuff that i've been self-reflecting mm. myself right where i'm yeah, like yeah, totally. oh yeah i did, never even thought about it that way right how do you check your own privilege exactly <laughs> in exactly. so many different ways 
But it also doesn't dismiss what they're saying. I understand that now that they're so angry to this point, right? When they finally are, I don't know if riding this wave of kind of everyone's just getting really angry online and speaking their truth, that everything is coming out in with a lot of energy and almost seemingly like, I'm not apologizing. I'm not going to sugarcoat this anymore. So there's, like Regina said, there's only two ends of the spectrum. Do you agree with me if you don't? And if you don't, then, you know, <laughs> fuck you, you know? Yeah. But in this, <laughs> in this sense, like how oh, do good. You... We can swear on this podcast. Yes. <laughs> I'm always the first one to breach that. So. <laughs> I dropped a couple shits. So <laughs> Given that. Well, how do we share each other's thoughts without going to the extreme with one another? How do we really hear what people are saying without immediately being defensive or trying to attack Mm. them for something else? Like, yeah, what are your guys' thoughts about that? I think for me, like, I've always been the type of person who wanted to, like, get the whole picture. Even now Mm. with politics, right? It's so polarizing left and right. There's no middle ground. And I think Trump just continues to like create that divide stronger and stronger. My parents taught me to be very PC. They were always like, oh, don't piss anyone off. You know, just stay neutral. Sounds like the Asian way. Exactly. Which I don't think works in the American culture of trying to be successful and like really being able to like stand up for what you believe in. And I think that as I got older, that's what I realized. That's why we have a podcast now because like I was like no I want to speak out on the issues that I really care about and like help people understand one another and I think Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. within this that's what I think is the biggest issue there's this lack of understanding it is so black and white once you're either for Trump or you're anti-Trump and like there are very very strong opinions against one another and there's no willingness to see what the perspective of that other person is so like in my house we watch a lot of like cnn and msnbc but every once in a while my dad will turn on fox news i think that as much as those news anchors like piss me off and as much as trump's words piss me off it's sometimes interesting to hear it from the other perspective like i watched this documentary that fox news had about like the coronavirus in china and it was mind-blowing hearing the (laughs) other side of the perspective because all we hear is is exactly like the stories that jimmy is talking about you know like hey calling it the chinese virus is very damaging towards this like entire asian american population but to them they have no problem calling it the kung flu and like the chinese virus the wuhan flu whatever and it's just really hard to get people to try to see things from all perspectives. And I think that too, with social media now, there's so much that is told to us. Like you need to believe this or you're this. You need to believe this or you're this. It's really hard for people to even form their own opinions. And that is what is continuing to set the divide because the more, whichever way you go, that's how your friends will think. And that's what our social medias will feed us and the news that we will read, which goes into the whole like election issue with Facebook. But that's another topic for another day. (laughs) Yeah. One of the very important things that my therapist has told me, which is humans are driven by fear or a love. It's one or the other. It's never anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, And it feels like a very simplistic way to break it down. But I do think there's a lot of truth to it. I think one of the most important things that we need to all realize as humans that I've never lived an hour in anyone else's shoes. I've never even lived a minute in someone else's shoes. I've only lived my life in my shoes. And I see things through my perspective, but I really don't honestly understand truly. And I never will, right? Like someone else that is on the other side of the spectrum, right? If someone is into people that you think are supporters and then ask yourselves as well, what is fear-based action with someone that you generally agree with? Are they handling these situations from fear or are they handling them from love? 
And I think we're going to very quickly realize that a lot more people on both sides of the fence are handling things out of fear rather than love. And so I think it's really important that like, we don't know what other people have gone through. We don't know why they're really being the way that they are, but we can find that there are similar things that drive every single human. And that I think the more that we can realize that both sides of everything and every single human is driven by one or two of these things, we can start understanding a little better. Okay, I see. I see how this behavior can be actually copied on both sides, how there is a yin to the yang. And as much as we think that we are right or self-righteous, a lot of times the way that we go about these things and the way that we treat other people or the way that we silo our arguments off against other people is done so in a fearful way. That's like one of the things I keep thinking about, which is just like, I cannot live a minute in someone else's life and they're right. Like I couldn't even tell them about an hour of their lifetime. There may be some very basic human things that I can like agree to or like think of as sort of like, yeah, you had a mom and she was mean to you. It's like, yeah, that can apply to a lot of people, but you don't know the environment they grew up in, the friends that they had, the things they watched growing up. So there's so much to each human that's so unique. I think trying to just be like, why are they being like this is not going to ever like get us in the right spot. It's more just like what is driving them fearfully and what is driving them love and how do we bring more love to their life if we do really want to change them and how do we bridge that gap and speak to them in a way that you know they would actually listen to. Yeah, so well said, Jimmy. It's so hard to do, right? Because like so much of what you said, who we are, unconsciously, we are driven by fear, even if we don't really want to say it that way. But it is that I mean, we're so conditioned to think of things from a fearful state. If you don't do this, then this will happen. You know, growing up, that's how a lot of how our parents taught us, like, don't be like that or else this will happen to you. Mm-hmm. Even the basic, if you hold your face in that position for too long, it'll stay that way forever. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's fear-based <laughs> Like, don't roll your eyes or, yeah. No, there, it's funny too. Like, we should do it another episode where it's like all the lies that Asian parents tell their kids. Like, I have <laughs> yeah. friends who's like, oh, if you don't finish all your rice, a witch will come in and cut off your nose at night or something like what? that. What? I mean, it's <laughs> true that's that's a that's just true though that's why i finished my rice no fear base here that's all love that's all coming from love exactly <laughs> i've always loved i don't know this is a maya angelo specific quote i know she pulled it from somebody else but she brings this up of i am a human being nothing human can be alien to me and when she first brought that up it completely just blew my mind because when you know you think about people that are different from you if you just like think about a murder you're like i would never murder anyone and then when you actually start to think it's like i may not be that person but because i am human i'm also capable of doing these things it doesn't mean that i can do it so as much as i look at other people that i think grew up differently or think differently i actually realized that i put so much the little little that i know I project onto them and I fill in those blanks with so much assumptions. I'm like, okay, you're a Trump supporter. You must Mm -hmm. be racist. You must like not care about other people. You're stupid. But then the thing is, just like Jimmy said, there's just so much to this person. I'm really just... You're scratching the surface. Yeah. 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 And honestly, like Regina has pointed out many times, it's like both sides do it as much as you know, want to be like, oh, liberals. Yeah. They stand for more things that I can stand by, but there's no like... I think when you get older, you really start to realize there is no, this is good versus evil. And there's, like you said, a line that you can draw distinctly in the sand. You start to realize there's so much behind a lot of the things 
let's say even with the Me Too movement, like being a woman, obviously I understand that. I've been raped before too. When these women talk about it, I'm like, I totally relate to that. I totally get it. And I wanted to scream and shout it to men everywhere. Like, yeah, when we don't smile back at you, when you say, hey girl, what's up? It's not because we're trying to be mean, it's because we're scared. But also trying to understand that as a man, you guys don't know that. We both ideally want to get to a point where we can coexist in a way where we're not hurting anyone. Mm -hmm. And I think because maybe in America, like because there's so many different types of people, different demographics, there's the Eastern versus Western mentality of me versus us that we are so me in the US, right? We don't really think about how we affect other people. And now we've come to a point Mm -hmm. with say with cancel culture and really these things that are glaringly in front of us that we have no other choice but to look at it. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. If you think about even just the billboards we see and the you know the time we spend watching Instagram and we'll see ads and all that stuff is we're polluting our own brains with other people's viewpoints and not giving ourselves enough time to grow and reflect on stuff because it's scary to do that. It's like kind of intimidating to do that. It's like terrifying to sometimes sit and just like live with yourself and then yeah. think about, you know, there's always those memes <laughs> of just like me awake at 2 a.m. thinking about that one thing I did in high school. It's like, well, guess what? <laughs> Maybe doing that is actually a healthy thing to do because you have to process these things that are in your head sometimes. So I think a lot of the problems with how I see in the world is that we have all these issues and all these things that make people so upset and so livid about stuff, but we don't have a good outlet for it on the other side. We just have more noise to contribute to it, or we're going to be on the internet screaming at other people and telling them that they're Karens and that they're this and that, or we you know, have to internalize and we have no one to talk to about it. And like at the end of the day, I think when people are hurt and think that they need to be able to feel safe and they need to be able to be vulnerable because Mm. those are the moments that you're able to like take the pain and take what's happening and grow from it. But it's sort of such like an information snowball fight constantly that it doesn't give people much room to stop, talk and like, let's have a group discussion about this. Like, let's all gather around the campfire tonight and talk about these things. And tonight we're going to have Timmy tell Andy why he hurt his feelings. And then we're going to have Andy talk to Timmy and tell him why he did this. And everyone's going to be like, oh, it's so nice. It was a safe environment that everyone could express themselves without, you know, adding in all these other expectations of validations or chips on shoulders or whatever it is. So I think like in general, like the pace that everything moves at is so fast and so frantic that it doesn't give people the space and time to actually process things with the amount of time it takes. The number one thing I've learned now that I'm 33 is that I thought I knew everything when I was 20. I thought I knew everything when I was 25. I thought I knew everything when I was 28. And it took me a long time to realize that I really don't know anything at all. And that a lot of times me running forward and saying, this is how it should be, is never going to be as effective as just being like, how do you feel and why do you feel that way? So that you can Mm. get an idea of that. My girlfriend made a really good point, which is just like, if everyone just made a black friend and made more friends that were black, they would not be racist because they are not in their heads. What are the images that they're being given of black people in the media? What are the images that we're being fed as we watch an episode of Cops and they just tackle black people and they like paint them out to be these different things? It's like, sure, yes, the incarceration rate or whatever may be higher. The statistics may say that, but that doesn't mean that they are like, right? It's like nature versus nurture type thing. But when that's all you see on TV or that's all you're fed by Fox News, you grow fearful, you grow whatever it is. In general, just being able to stop, slow down and make friends with more people. Like my favorite story is that black guy that befriended the Ku Klux Klan members and turned a ton of them into non-racist because all they needed, all they literally needed was to have a black friend to show them that, oh, you are not what I've been taught 
shown and think thought based on what I've seen on TV or what my friends have told me or what the clan has told me, right? Like you're actually chill and it's so easy for humans to just get past that thing without realizing it if they don't have a friend to ground them and they'd be like, wait a minute, there is a concrete example right there in that person that shows and demonstrates to me that this is not what I think it is. Yeah, Jack always talks about that mm-hmm. episode or is it a podcast? Is it a show? I forgot. It's a guy named Daryl Davis, and he convinced 200 Ku Klux Klan members to give up their robes. It's an NPR seven-minute listen. Wow. So if you guys ever look up Ku Klux Klan and NPR, you'll find it. Oh, yeah. Jack has brought up that this Black guy approaches it is with love and compassion and trying to with understanding versus like going out to them being like, you're wrong. This is why you're evil. And understanding which we, from the outside looking in, many of us would be like, they don't deserve that. But can you imagine from his point of view how hard it was and how hard it continues to be to show and be proactive in that kindness that he gives out that he hopes that he can get just a little bit back if he will even get that. And I think Mm -hmm. it really does start with that, which is why... You know, I know we sound like a broken record here, but it's like, I totally agree. Mental health is, I feel like, at the top of this. Because if you cannot look at yourself, just like Jimmy said, in the mirror, reconcile a lot of things, forgive yourself, those are the things that you're projecting onto other people. Mm. When you can't forgive yourself, you can't forgive somebody else, especially when it's triggering to you. And that's the stuff that, honestly, no one ever tells you until, (laughs) yeah, you either learn about personal growth yourself or you go to see a therapist. But that's exactly why I can understand we're at a point, at least for us, during this short time span of our life that we hit a climax in my head of just hate on hate on hate just like you said it just doesn't stop yeah and that is the very thing that will trigger even more self-loathing self-criticism because you're in your own head about all these things of how you're not good enough and this is how mm-hmm. other people are listening and then when we don't want to focus on ourselves we distract ourselves with other people mm-hmm. and even just in our own lives let's not even talk about celebrities or cancel culture just even in our own lives we do this to each other to our friends to our parents mm-hmm. to our significant others and we don't even know that we're doing it mm-hmm. because we think we're so right it's like how hard is it for you to like clean up after yourself we just think like that should be it there should be no question but maybe your partner was never taught that in that sense you know and then yeah. how do you approach it where it doesn't always end in a fight and it's not always confrontational it doesn't have to be I think that's the word where Maybe Regina can speak more about this, but she has such a journey with confrontation. (laughs) With confrontation, it doesn't always have to be out of anger. Whether it's online or with your friend or relationship, confrontation can just simply be an exchange of how do we live better with each other? How can I work together with you so that, you know, we're better people to each other and to ourselves? Hey, Christine here. We're so happy to be teaming up with BetterHelp, the world's largest online counseling service. You work with licensed and accredited professionals to get the counseling you're looking for. And it's accessible, affordable, convenient. So anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. A lot of people ask me if therapy really makes a difference. And my answer is always yes. Think of it like going in for a teeth cleaning. It's easier not to go see the dentist. You can still live day to day. But the dentist is there to help clean out the parts that we normally wouldn't be able to by just brushing ourselves. That's like therapy. We all accumulate mental health plaque in forms of fears, trauma, insecurities, negative self-talk. And it doesn't take much of those things to become a mental health cavity. We've just learned to cope with the pain by numbing out or avoiding things. But we know. Oh, do we know how the pain affects us. But just like a cavity, it also never just goes away. It deteriorates and rots from the inside out. 
So yes, talking to a therapist helps so much in cleansing and healing from the very things we brush aside as, oh, it's nothing. Also, they're professionals who guide you through this journey. They have amazing tools to help in the healing process, and it really matters so much in the long run of the quality of your life. So what type of life do you want to live? We highly recommend trying BetterHelp, especially during this time is super convenient. You can schedule sessions around your time, and you can message your counselor whenever you like. Plus, it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. We're so excited that BetterHelp is offering our Pip Fam an exclusive 10% off your first month. So definitely check them out and take care of yourselves. Again, that's betterhelp.com P-I-P. Regina, what are your thoughts? I think the thing about like the confrontation that makes this whole thing like so terrifying is that, yeah, it's exactly like what Jimmy had described earlier, which is like, oh my God, your entire life starts flashing before your eyes and all the mistakes that you've made, you're just like, oh my gosh, what if I get pinpointed for that, pinpointed Mm -hmm. for that? I feel like I really struggle with this whole concept of cancel culture because I think that there are so many levels of it. I do think we need to have more compassion for each other. You know, I think that one of the issues at hand too is the fact that America is built on this like, oh, we have the freedom of speech. We can say whatever we want. That's why there's this whole other side to it too, where people are like, oh my God, you guys are being so sensitive. You know, why are you guys trying to be PC? Like, why can't you just speak out and say your opinions? I don't know what's the balance. Like, where do you find the line? of like respecting what other people have to say, but then also being like, well, I don't agree with that within this bubble of, you know, all these like celebrities being canceled and things like that. Like even within the YouTube world, right? Like what's the difference Mm -hmm. between Shane Dawson's apology and Jenna Marbles' apology. And like Christine and I have had this conversation offline, like several times. That's like a question that I have constantly. Like who are the people that we should be giving second chances to? And who are the people who we're like, oh, well, you know what? We've given them so many chances. They haven't learned. They keep acting on it. Say like a Logan mm-hmm. Paul or a Jake Paul, who, which is the one that's like police are like investigating. Uh, Jake Paul. Jake. Yeah. It was Jake Paul. Yeah, both of them. You know, it's just they have this repetitive habits and like repetitive issues. And I think that within this whole complex, trying to have this understanding for one another, at what point is too much compassion? (laughs) Like, what is the point where it's like right enough, just enough compassion? You know, like, how can we respect the boundaries of each? I think like, uh, it's sad because part of me says to myself, you'll never change someone like Jake Paul. I'm not his therapist. I don't talk to the guy. I've seen him like once in my life at a VidCon in passing. Like, I don't know anything about this cat and i don't know any way of getting closer to him nor do i want to Mm -hmm. so in general i think cancel culture should be described more as accountability culture which is just like how do we hold people accountable for things especially if it involves you know hurting other people or abusing them and that there's a nuance in each case to be examined when it comes to people that i guess we are now declaring them somewhat irredeemable i don't think that's unfair to say because it's like they keep doing this thing they haven't learned is that our energy may be better spent elsewhere in a way that does not forgive them or let them off the hook. 
I guess. It's something I deal with all the time because I personally think that if you are an influencer or a content creator and you have any sort of following, you signed a social contract to do good by the people that are following you. Mm. But at the same time, again, just two or three days ago, my girlfriend was on the internet and diving deep into sort of the incel culture world of YouTube and finding all these 20 minute videos of these influencers speaking up. They are influencers. I wouldn't call them popular influencers, but these videos still pick up 10, 15, 20,000 views of just a mm. guy rallying against girls about whatever reason and being involuntarily celibate or whatever incel means. And like you'd see mm. these comments of just more hate being piled on. And so I think like a lot of times, instead of just going after that single person, we have to realize that they're speaking more to a large audience of people that are looking for a message and something to follow. And so if we sort of reframe the environment to then focus on the people that are being influenced and recognizing, oh, they're being influenced for a reason. They're influenced because they need it or they're looking for it. Maybe instead we can focus on how do we reach those people instead of how do we reach the influencer? Because the influencer, right, they may be surrounded by yes men. They may be surrounded by money-making lucrative opportunities that keep them going down this same path and it's feeding a darker addiction within them or whatever it is. And like, sure, maybe you can focus a lot of time trying to fix that person and get them to change themselves. Or you could spend that energy focusing on how to talk to the people that are clearly out there looking for someone that they want to listen to or someone to listen to them. So I think there's just a lot more of that out there. And like, if we're looking at the holistic view of the whole thing, maybe it's better to focus on how we can raise up a generation of people and send them a higher image of themselves instead of going after the people that have established themselves and found the neuroses of these people to attack and get into their heads about because we can do the same thing. If we know that this person is feeling rejected or feeling that they are completely unsuccessful with women and they're starting to grow violent, then would you want to go after the people that are encouraging them to be more violent? Or would you want to find a way to talk to them outside of that and to hit them from the side so that you don't need to go through this other lens first that you can just talk to them directly as a human and make them feel safe and send them a higher image of themselves? I don't know what the right answer is, but I just know that after having now tried to deal with all of these influencers, there's only so much you can do because their fans and their fan bases will not take kindly to you coming at them via the person that they admire. Mm. If I just messaged a Trump supporter out of the blue and said, hey, how are you doing? Like, how's life been? Are you feeling okay? How's money? That person doesn't now see me through the lens of you think Trump's an idiot and you think Trump's mm -hmm. racist or you think Trump supporters are racist. So you think I'm racist. It's kind of the same as Daryl Davis going in and talking to a Ku Klux Klan member and not being like, I'm going to treat you like an evil person, but I'm going to treat you like a human and talk to you like that. And let's see how much further I can get into that conversation because I think you can get much, much further. So if anything, I would want to talk to the influencers that are the late night show hosts of the world. They have a huge audience that ranges from liberal to conservative. They are the people, if anyone, that can have an influence on those people that feel like they need to be spoken to. LeBron James has an incredible power to speak to people in underprivileged situations that may not be sending themselves a higher image of themselves. It's like kind of the same as me saying like, oh, why don't you just make Logan Paul do it? But like some people are inconsolable because they've dealt themselves into such a hole that maybe they will not be able to dig themselves out as quickly as needed. So maybe you should just mm -hmm. be going to finding the more effective means of talking to people without having to bash their favorite person or creator. And instead, maybe just show them that there are two roads out of this forest and they don't need to follow this one just because they've been on that road for a while. And then maybe it doesn't make them feel good either, honestly. Hmm.
Wow. Wow, Jimmy. <laughs> can we start a, a network, a group where we can always have these discussions with all these people that want to hire? Send a higher image. Yeah, it's something else that my girlfriend taught me. Yeah. Oh, my God. That, <laughs> whether people want to admit it or not, that's what people are aspiring for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It depends at their point of their journey what the higher image of themselves looks like. And I think Jimmy said... You know, at age 18, we thought we knew everything. At age 25, Mm -hmm. we thought we knew everything. And the higher image just keeps shifting and changing. And I do think that it's because of these type of discussions, as well as the discussions that are spurred on through cancel culture and all these really just soul-sucking, toxic type of environments that are happening. But sometimes Mm -hmm. we get to a point where it does take that for us to wake up right i don't want to go into like woke culture but i do think that in a way stay woke yeah we just it's been easy to just be complacent right it's just been easy to be like yeah i could just it's fine it's cool what are you talking about everything's cool well the american way might be if it doesn't affect me then why do i care about it yeah yeah but then Like Jimmy said, which I think is the phrase of this podcast, like Jimmy said, (laughs) (laughs) there's been an undercurrent. There has been going on in so many different ways. There's a reason why it's coming up. And to be honest, as Mm -hmm. like I said, soul sucking as it is, as draining as it is, which is why it's important to be able to have a good gauge on your mental health and draw boundaries when needed or take a break when needed. Mm -hmm. Or like Jimmy said, pick your battles. It's also important for us in the self-reflective journey of what does this mean and why are we so affected by it? Because each of us have specific triggers to certain Mm. things. And that is really because of our own past traumas. If we don't resolve them or take a good look at ourselves as uncomfortable as it is, then it's only going to spew out on other people. And for some people, they've been through so much trauma and they have so much hate for themselves that they just put it onto the world. I would say that those people have very little boundaries. And in the same way, when you get triggered by something, you're just showing that you are not setting your own boundaries in your own life. Because if you would set your boundaries right and someone came up to you and insulted your mother in front of you, you would say... I've set my boundaries to not let someone else's words affect me in a way that's going to get me into an uncontrollable state. Yeah. And get me triggered or whatever it is. Like we do have to realize that like running around in woke culture is dangerous because if you're opening your heart to let it be stabbed by a billion things, you're just going to be bleeding out by the end of the day and you're not going to be terribly effective. Mm -hmm. So I think like personal boundaries is something I'm always trying to advocate for, which is just like make sure you're in control of your own life. Start learning how to meditate and breathe and watch your own breath come in and out of your body. Because if we just don't focus, if we wake up in a hurry and we get going in a hurry, then it's almost like you're building a house on a rocky foundation for the day. And if you're building a rocky foundation of a house every day, then you're building an even bigger house that is your life. And it's just not going to be great. So like learning how to set those boundaries for ourselves is just as important if we want to go out there and affect the world. Because you can't just go out there with your heart wide open. You will die (laughs) (laughs) that's gonna be our quote that we go (laughs) that we refer back to no it's so true i was gonna say that we're so focused on keeping other people accountable that i do understand that what you guys have both said about influencers and understand i mean some of it is like it's against the law i really do think that those are the type of things that we really should talk about and speak up if you feel so inclined to but i think in the bigger picture it's more about 
how do you keep yourself accountable and how do you stay present? And I will say it just woke because all of these people that are following <laughs> these influencers and being told what to think or the news, we just check out. Honestly, yeah. I do it all the time. We just check out. You take in all these things and you just react. But you're not even conscious of why you are. What are you telling yourself? What is actually processing in your head? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the stuff you're not conscious or awake in that moment to be like, whoa, 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 what's really going on here? You know, I'm really pissed that like Jimmy said this, but really what I'm internalizing is that Jimmy thinks I'm stupid. Right. And that's not even what <laughs> is going on. But you have to hear yourself. You have to be aware of that. It takes practice and how you hold yourself accountable into, I would say, real long-term change. Because we're asking people that are public figures that how do we know if your sorry is real? How do we know that you're really going to change and mean it? To be honest, we don't know. It really is just through time. Mm -hmm. And how will you know unless you've done it yourself? Like what real change looks like in your own life that's sustainable and not just temporary or because it's trendy. Yeah. And a lot of it might just be showing them the way or leading by example and being like, this is how so-and-so did it. Or like, look at what, you know, imagine if Kanye West came out and very publicly was like, here's what I'm doing to combat my mental health. And here's mm -hmm. how I'm leading in my, by my own way of doing this. And I'm listening to my mm -hmm. family or whatever it is. That's immediately you've just shown millions of people a way to deal with it. So like the, right there and then, there's, I think there's a great way for people to just, again, it's like being able to be vulnerable is one of the most important things. Even just like walking into a meeting and being like, hey, like here's we got to get this, this and this done today. But I'm not going to lie. I'm a little nervous about this because I'm just not great at doing it. So if you guys could help me, I'd really appreciate it. I'm a little worried about X, Y, and Z. Like you're going to find that people are much more attracted to helping you in that situation. Mm -hmm. And if you go in there barging and being like, and you're going to handle this, this, and this, you know, and like not showing people that you too are, you know, a human at the end of the day. Yeah. So I think there's just a lot of leading by example that needs to get done. And if we can help temper people so that they're not as fiery or not as, you know, wild and myself included is one of those people over time, I believe that's the way that we help people grow into these sort of things that you were just speaking about, Christine, which is just like learning how to and be better over time mm -hmm. requires you to not get triggered 24-7 every day because that's not going to get you faster, right? If you're able to cross the next five years of your life and have some good boundaries set for you and, and pick your battles and feel the anger, but in a way that doesn't get you out of control, you're going to grow much more from that than just being the same sore spot that anytime it gets poked, flares into the same. Mm -hmm awful angry thing each time right? right like so it's like how are we going to spend our time and how are we going to show people how to spend their time and so i think like that's why i love media so much is that it provides a concrete example in place for us to tell stories and to show things to people that help them understand how to be a better version of themselves or how to aspire to something else because movies and stuff those are also amazing places where we can send higher images of ourselves to each other mm. like i love crazy rich asians but i don't think that's necessarily the most progressive <laughs> asian movie i've ever seen right. you know and like there's also tiger tail but i don't think that's the best version of it either right so there's something in there that we're still finding as asians and I don't know where it is or what it is quite yet, but it's something that I hope to keep doing. And like, think about why Mulan is important. Let's get rid of all the controversy aside about the movie. Think about the movie at its core to a two-year-old girl who watches that and goes, I can be the hero. I can be noble. I can have dedication to my family and I can have a beautiful relationship with my parents. I can fight for something that's more than myself. Those are all very tangible things that you can take from a movie like that. And it's incredibly impactful for someone that's looking to hear that message. Right. And she takes yeah. a good look at herself. 
yeah one might say reflection reflection (laughs) (laughs) exactly look what you can do with self-reflection you can save all of china all of china (laughs) hug the freaking emperor No, but that's so true. I mean, like that's stuff that we didn't grow up seeing and it's still new to us. And I think that that's why this journey to self-understanding is so important is because there's so many images that I now look back at when I was younger that I looked up to that I was like, oh, the majority of them are white people. And I say this all the time. Like, I'm pretty sure up until the age of like 13, I thought I was white. Like, I just was unable to, you know, like see, like I wasn't able to see anybody who looked like me. And I agree. That's why I can't say I'm not disappointed with the way that Mulan is going to be consumed by the mass audiences. But I do agree on the importance of a movie like this and the reflection, the self-reflection that we each need to go through the journey of. And when it comes to like triggers, that word just sounds so in your face. But I think that if you think about all the times that you've snapped or even like I'm living at home during a pandemic and sometimes my mom will say something and I just immediately snap. And as you guys were like talking, through like oh yeah those are like your triggers I'm like self-diagnosing myself I'm like oh yeah (laughs) this is why you know why didn't you do this this way can trigger me so much and it's those little understandings of yourself can also help you pinpoint like oh these are the things that I need to work on and allows you to open up to have more conversations like this with your friends I think that that's helped me immensely when I'm able to you know just vulnerably talk about oh hey this is how I feel about xyz and Mm -hmm. you know this is really affecting me and my self-esteem, you'll see that we are all a lot more similar than you think. That is what is going to bring this common understanding with this cancel culture and just media in general. I love media because I think that it gives us an extra understanding for ourselves, especially with movies that properly reflect experiences that we have grown up with. It just allows you to see it from a different perspective, even though you were the one who went through it. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that that is why there is this importance of representation that allows us to gain a better self-understanding because when you see it on a screen, you're able to be like, huh, uh, that's happened to me before. <laughs> Maybe not not crazy rich Asians, but other situations around it. Yeah. I mean, crazy rich Asians is just the, my big fat Greek wedding of movies for Asians. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's It's the first step. And I'm looking forward to seeing all the evolutions of where we take it from here. Definitely. Bring it back to vulnerability too. You know how they say with vulnerability, that's the true mark of intimacy. Mm. Honestly, if you're not being vulnerable with people, and especially with people that you feel like you don't have anything in common, don't relate to, then yeah, there's going to be no form of intimacy. Like there's no exchange of that. So I can definitely see that at a starting point, it's hard to be vulnerable with people. And you pick and choose. Definitely not saying going out there and be, hey, everybody, these are my secrets, you know? (laughs) But- That's the part where I think keeping that in mind. Jimmy, you mentioned earlier Mm -hmm. that you start each day centering yourself, breathing yourself. Can you take us through that or share us? (laughs) What is your process to like grounding yourself? Well, I Mm -hmm. certainly don't do it every day. If I did, then I would say I do. But so I don't. (laughs) But it's definitely something that my therapist has highly recommended to me. And, you know, more recently doing all the stuff at Ben TV, I've been waking up every day around 7am. And so it is sometimes very hard to take the time to be like, I need 30 minutes to lie down here and do this. And my therapist has like recorded tapes, self affirmations, grounding yourself, trying to feel your body, drinking a cup of water. Being present, I think, is really big. Instead of starting your day thinking immediately, what do I need to do? What am I late for? What are my duties for the day? 
like sort of self-focusing it in a little bit more. One thing I've been doing recently is just opening my voice app and sort of muttering in as I'm just barely awake what my dreams were that night. And mm. I think that's something that like you dreamt it for a reason and there's something in you that's dreaming this thing and giving you these images. So like pay attention mm. to it and see what it is. Mm. And so that's been something that I've been doing that helps me out a lot. That lets me be a little more calm as well in the morning. And I think like setting a good schedule, right? Like I'm always going to walk the dogs. I'm always going to eat breakfast maybe avoiding stuff like I won't open Instagram or Twitter until I've gotten to work and I have some time to settle down, right? Because there have been days where I open Twitter and it just ruins my day mm -hmm. almost from mm -hmm. the bat because yeah. I see some crazy shit going down. I'm just like, this is my country. I live, I, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I can't believe it. Or this person said this to me overnight on a Twitter thing. Like, don't set yourself up for failure is maybe my main mm. advice there. Like you have the whole day ahead of you. Let's make sure that you are crawl, walk, running to get into it. Don't just start at a sprint. Mm -hmm. It's definitely mm -hmm. that balance between like staying informed, but not being too informed, like still being able to like be a person of your own without this bombarding amount of information from media outlets and influencers and friends and things like that to just start off your day. I think that that's really important and something that I am learning <laughs> to incorporate more into like my life as well. Yeah, we'll yeah. keep it up. You're doing great. <laughs> no, thanks for sharing, Jimmy. That's a good note to end on, like how to be more present in your life, because it makes such a difference in how you project into the future your fears, which we tend to do. Mm, very good. Yes. Or you keep holding on to stuff from the past. Honestly, those things you just don't have any control over. You know, one has mm -hmm. yet to happen and one is already passed. So the only thing that you can really focus on and do anything about is this current moment right now, because it's the thing that's happening. So if yeah. I'm going to yeah, be having totally. a conversation with Jimmy and Regina, I'm going to be in this conversation and trying to really hear them and just be real and vulnerable versus thinking about what do I have to do tomorrow? Oh my God, do you remember the thing that Trump said? Oh my God, my mom's really mad at <laughs> right, me about this, right? right? It's just like, yeah. you're just totally missing the moment right now. You're missing your life, essentially. Yeah, yeah, that's very real in today's society where we're all just living and working and doing everything behind the screen. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, thank you, Jimmy, so much for sharing such eloquent thoughts. It brought even so much more perspective and enlightenment to a lot of things that I did not even consider. Mm -hmm, for sure. Where can people find you? Probably the best way to find me is just on Twitter or Instagram at JF Wong. So J-F-W-O-N-G. I post mostly on Twitter. I'm somewhat active on Instagram and I try to reply to people if they have questions and stuff for me. So check it all out. I have also like all the links for like the cookbook and all that stuff there in my profile. So if you're interested in any of that, you can find it there. And we'll be sure to link all of that information down in the description box below too. Yay. Be sure to follow Jimmy. He's doing amazing things. And as you guys hear, he is very eloquent, very knowledgeable. So go give <laughs> him you. a follow. And watch Mulan, please. Support yes. the movie. <laughs> Will you be live tweeting when you watch it? Um, I'll probably be doing something. I don't know. I, yeah. I would love to do a watch along of sorts. Now that it's digital, we can have more of a theatrical <gasps> experience. So yeah. I don't know how, in terms of like doing it with other people and seeing it with other people, it would require probably like everyone to press play at the same time. So yeah. I'll figure out a way of doing it. I'm not sure exactly how quite yet, but... We'll figure something out. If okay. not, I'll be doing some stream. I'll probably watch that movie like five times over the weekend. And do on Twitter, do something on Twitch. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All these different platforms. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm following you. So then whatever you do, I'll be there. I'm so excited. Great. Yeah, we'll be sure to share it with our listeners as well. 
please do. That'd be awesome. So if you guys enjoyed this episode, please pass it along to a friend. I think that the more conversations that we have like this, the more we have a better understanding of each other and just can improve society as a whole. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Perfectly Imperfect. And we'll see you guys next time. Great name, by the way. I love it. Yay. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.